0: Hello everybody and welcome to the show. It's between two servers. I'm Glenn, and with us today is Jay Mattis from High Horse Entertainment, one of the co-founders there. They've created a cool library developer called Snapnet. And they recently released is it really is it recent?
1: 2017, 2018, so not that
0: recent. it's, pre, it's pre-pandemic.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, so it's a long times. time ago. Yeah. A long time ago, Jay released yeah. a game yeah. called
0: Disc Jam. And uh, in, in, in a past life, mm-hmm. Jay worked on Call of Duty at Activision doing a bunch of net code. Welcome to the show, Jay.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Cool. So this may be a very long episode. I recommend everybody go out and get a cup of coffee right now, make some tea, sit down. Um, we could be here all freaking day because we have a lot to talk about because, because Jay and I have basically the same pedigree uh, of netcode, uh, and, and I, I would also say, like, uh, John Shiring, a, a really good friend of mine at, at Respawn, um, with with the, you know, the common code base and ideas and shared history between myself, John Shiring, and Jay, we've effectively been working on the code base for the last decade or so, uh, the same code base uh, or different variants of it. And I know we agree on a lot of things related to netcode because when you look at games like Call of Duty, Titanfall and Apex Legends, I put it to you, this is netcode done right, okay? So this is something that you really can only know when you have the background that Jay, myself and John Shiring have, but this is really a best of breed solution. So we're gonna talk a lot today about the best breed networking and Jay's gonna talk about a whole bunch of stuff, really interesting stuff. So before we go there, Let's dive in a little bit on your background, Jay. Sure. So when did you decide to get into games and and Uh, how did it happen?
1: So um, I had never really intended to get into games, actually. Um, I was always interested in programming since I was very young. Um,
0: When did you first write? When did did you first write? I
1: was, um, you know, what happened actually was um, we had uh, this old kind of IBM compatible PC with two dual five and a quarter inch floppies, um, lived in a, in a small town. And it, uh, uh, the, I, there were, you know, a couple, couple games that were at our local shop, like Sesame Street, Winnie the Pooh, young kids games. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I, but I was like, so fascinated. And so I I was always wanting more games, more games, you know, and it's like, that's, that's all that was around at the time, you know, and there was the conversation that uh, my dad had with me where he was like, you know, this is really mainly a business tool. You know, most people are writing their own software for the few things that they need and there aren't that many games. Um, And the idea that someone was behind this kind of stuff, that there was a mm-hmm. human on the other end generating that yeah, was the obviously idea of the something old I third. thought about. Yeah, yeah. now that blew my mind. And I was like, I yeah. want to know how that works, you know? Yeah. Um, and of course, I was really very young at the time, um, but um, my mom ever, uh, my champion, was uh, at a bookstore and found, you know, um, uh, a book about uh, basic, which, you know, basic A, <laughs> came on the DOS <laughs> diskette at that time. And my dad, as the kind of sense of humor that he has, took the uh, Basic A reference manual that came with the computer at the time and gave it to me and said, go ahead. Wow. You know? And so that was obviously not something I could uh, wrap my head around, but my mom brought home this book that was like, uh, it was called like, I think like the absolute beginner's guide to like writing games in basic or something, you know? And it had crucially games there in print uh, you know, and I would sit on her lap typing them in, you know, and it would be like a letter guessing game, you know, like literally like it's I'm thinking of a letter, what letter, it would tell you how many tries. Um, and I learned a lot from the trial and error of, you know, not having typed things in correctly, having to learn what these yep. different error messages went, you know, that whole value of perseverance of like, I need to play this game i know that it's possible i know that it works i just need to figure out what i messed up um and then you know tweaking it here and there and changing messages mm-hmm. and you know so it just snowballed i mean it was like very early and i was super into it um and we, um, we
0: have almost identical backgrounds i i learned programming from the reference manual that came with my dad's ibm pc 80 yeah and, and i was i was 10 yeah, And, uh, obviously yeah. I, I, was, I sucked.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for a very long time. <laughs> I sucked for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: uh. and,
1: um, you know, I was very lucky that actually in, uh, when I was in, in middle school, uh, I met a, a friend who, uh, had done a lot of this as well, but he yeah. had actually learned, um, C and C++. Okay, and so you, you that was a to, huge, that was a huge moment yeah. for me in terms of like my jump in yeah. learning, because I had tried several times and couldn't quite wrap my head around some of the yeah. concepts. And, uh, and so together we kind of overcame a lot of that and it was really quite helpful. Um, That's so, awesome. so yeah, really so awesome. that was never the intention, but my, my, my point though, is actually that, you know, I think for anyone who gets into this stuff, what are you going to program? You're not going to make Excel. That's not fun, right? You're going to make games. Like what else are you going to do? You're going to make little things that are kind of fun, um, that amuse you. And so, um, you know, I was, I was very into video games, um, especially because, I mean, it's just a great time to grow up. I mean, the technology, the way that it was evolving, every single new generation of games were more exciting than the last, doing really kind of novel, interesting things that you didn't even think was possible the year before, you know? Um, yeah. and, um, so, know yeah, I was hooked to that aspect of it. Um, and, um, so, you know, I'd always been into that, always been doing that, um, and tinkering. And then, um, in college, it was my sophomore year. And so um, you, were, you
0: were in Rhode Island at that point. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I, I, I was in Rhode Island. I was studying computer science, which had always been the obvious track. Um,
0: Now, unlike me, you didn't drop out. So kudos to you.
1: I did. I did not. I did not. Though, though uh, I, when I interned at Activision that was, Mm -hmm. that was offered to me and it was very tempting. Yeah. Um, It was very tempting. And so so, you interned
0: while you were doing your computer science degree.
1: Yes. So what happened was it was sophomore year of college Mm -hmm. and uh, I was on the phone with my dad and it was early in the, in the year, it was, you know, the fall. And he said, you know, I just want to, um, get this in your head now that if you think you're going to just come home and bum around all summer and not do anything like that's not really a thing like you should get a job and like I just think it's early enough that I should probably have this conversation with you now you have plenty of time to think about it and so <laughs> I, I said, quit I, I took college and
0: bummed around at my parents house for two years thanks Jay
1: so yeah <laughs> did so, I um,
0: my dad didn't warn me ahead of time
1: <laughs> yeah so so I maybe, had that warning maybe you should have and I said, ooh, I hear you, okay. Um, yeah. And that kind of threw me for a loop. I really wasn't expecting yeah, yeah. that. Um, yep. But it was it was early in the year, and also because it was my sophomore year, I was like, uh, you know, I was planning to do like biomedical stuff. That was like what I was mm-hmm. thought I was gonna do. Um, but I was like, you know, it's probably a little early to do an so What, what year is this? Full, what, what, uh, what calendar year? Oh, eight.
0: Oh, eight, okay. Or maybe it was, okay.
1: no, this was, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. it was 08 or 07. That's um cool. and um and I, you know, I was like, it's probably a little early because it's my sophomore year to to worry about getting an internship that's gonna turn into a full-time gig. I should just do something mm-hmm. that's like gonna be different and fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I applied to kind of the usual suspects that CS guys were applying to, you know, the big Facebook apple, whatever. Um and um I also we looked up all the game studios to look at. Like, yeah. hey, are there any game internships? That would be super cool. Yeah, um yeah. So and, just just
0: from your own intro, you were just like, I just think this would be would be cool because I love yeah. games and why? Not?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it <clears> just <throat> I just thought it would be super fun and a great experience. And um, you know, I couldn't think of anything else I could do for a summer job that I thought would be more fun than that. So that mm-hmm. was like, mm-hmm. well, let's let's see what happens. I didn't really expect much of it, but um, you know, I sent I sent my resume out um, and luckily, um, what happened actually was that um, I had, so I have, you know, everyone's like, oh, you got to get your, your resume should be one page, whatever. But I had all these little side projects that I'd done over the years. And I thought that it was like super relevant to, you know, because like, there's, what else have you done? My education no other, isn't that interesting. I've been in anyone, college for two years. Like,
0: for what? For anyone know? on the, anyone watching this show, the number one thing that will tilt it in your favor, applying for a game, industry job and and from my experience on both programming and design are examples of work that you did in your spare time because you're just mm-hmm. passionate about this and this is what you want to
1: do mm-hmm. right
0: what mm-hmm. little projects have you done mm-hmm. right is you didn't yeah. even know that I did, at the time, I, did, not, did you, I did not
1: know that I did not know yeah. that at the time and wow. what I especially didn't know was that um a, a few years prior when I was still in high school um you know I don't know if you remember these devices back in the day but they were these pocket PCs they you mean like, like the Palm, palm Pilot? Oh, that, yeah, oh, but they ran Windows the wind yeah. yeah, so there was like, and there were like three versions. One was like, you know, compacted these ARM devices. Mm-hmm. There was a MIPS one and SH three. Anyway, so I I was always super into like portable computing and this kind of stuff. It Was like, this yeah. is this is the the future. This is what we're doing, and um, and uh, so I had one of these things, but it was like the cheapest, lowest end one, um, and. Um, so there was the pocket quake project to get quake oh. take the source code and get it running on these pocket PCs. Yeah. And, and I so wanted to see what that was like, but it didn't run on my processor because it was mm-hmm. too crappy for anyone to care about. Cause it was going to run like garbage. Um, and it, normally you could take this solution, you compile it for the new processor and it would work, but it didn't work because there was actually a, uh, uh one of the core drawing routines was, uh, mm-hmm. was, uh, an assembly oh so an assembly or comeback. whatever yeah. but it but it, it was actually um was being optimized incorrectly by the compiler um oh. is what ended up happening and um and so i i was like i had realized that it would run in the debug configuration but it wouldn't run in Mm -hmm. release and I couldn't figure out what was going on. So I've got these pragmas everywhere and I'm trying to like binary search the code base down and figure out what, so I I figured it out, got it. So now I had this thing running. And so I had had uh, a small credit on that project for having figured that out. Um, And so I had listed that, that I had done that. And of course, what I did not know at the time, which of course, you know, is that Call of Duty is built on the Quake 3 engine and so, yeah. You know, so that was a Good big idea. deal. So they so saw, saw that and in. they were like and they were like, "Oh, like this is amazing, you know, an intern that knows anything about the Quake engine, you know, who yeah. would expect, right?" Um and so um I was planning to be interviewed at Microsoft at the time up in Seattle. Um and so yeah. they, it wasn't typical for Activision to, you know, fly someone across the country or something to mm-hmm. interview for an internship. But I was like, look, I'm already going to be on the West coast. Yeah. Um, Cause so it's like, what if you just flew me down and back, you know? And they said, okay. Cool. Um, and so I got there to do that. And, um, and it was awesome. It was a great experience.
0: So the, you, you you would have done an interview there on a whiteboard and some stuff. And uh, yep. Yep. So it's, a, it's a tough experience, you know, yeah. it's something that,
1: and I remember I had lied at the time, as they're like, "Oh yeah, I love Call of Duty," and I hadn't actually played it before. Um, and um, and so they they handed the controller to me, and the first thing oh. I did was threw a grenade and blew myself up. And I was like, "Oh, that's so bad," because I was trying to, just trying to desperately quick figure out what all the buttons were. And I was like, "That's not a good that's not a good showing." So that was that was my one I think faux pas in that interview was that was not great. I, I love this game. I was like, "Oh yeah, I love Call of Duty, played all the time." No, I hadn't yet. Um,
0: yeah, rule rule number one play the fucking game yeah before you yeah. interview with the company mm-hmm. rule number one but uh but uh yeah, yeah. absolutely um, some programmers can get away and, without it and so but it's you're gonna have to have a good bloody reason yeah
1: yeah and what and what blew my mind actually at the time was you know when i, I agreed to do the internship and I was told um, you know that I was going to be working on um, Call of Duty. at the time this is right before Call of duty4 came out and so I had all <laughs> these magazines that had, modern warfare on the cover they had just done their e3 it was like huge right yeah and um, it was a
0: ma- massive time like modern warfare just blew everything up it,
1: 2000 total 2008 total game changer, total yeah. game changer. Yeah. and and yeah. so I, no one had really played i was it. at it the was e3 hyped.
0: i was at the e3 competing against modern warfare and we got rolled like this it shit was
1: amazing it was amazing i mean it was just yeah. amazing
0: and um, at 60 fps yep amazing yep. Yep. amazing Yep. Yeah.
1: And and so wow. I was all excited. I go, oh, I, you know, I'm going to work on Call of Duty 4. This is amazing. I'm like, no, 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 you're going to be working on Call of Duty 5. And so then that <laughs> blew my mind because I didn't understand that they were doing this annualized <laughs> yes. thing and they were leapfrogging yeah. studios over each other and each studio was taking two years. So that was also a huge change in my yeah. mindset about how game production and game development works. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, and so, so just, it was, just for
0: everyone on the call, it's a, it's a Treyarch and it's the Infinity Ward leapfrogging every other right. year. Yes. Yeah. OK, yes. cool. Um, and
1: I think um, what had actually happened up until that point was uh, they decided for Call of Duty 3, I believe, that they wanted uh, to do it annual. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was like, hey, what studio can make a Call of Duty game in a year? You know, and yeah. Sherrick was like, I, uh, we'll try. You yeah. know, that's my understanding <laughs> of how that went down. I, I wasn't I there like for that. Like pain? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it put them obviously in a great position to yeah. do great uh, studio franchise and so um they had done that but then obviously call of duty 4 was so massive that you know we were trying to mm-hmm. take drops of that game as they were making it um, yeah. and so it was just an awesome experience right because as an intern you get to go in there and a lot of the guys who were at Treyarch at the time they had a lot more experience in that type of engine than i did obviously um
0: mm-hmm. just mm-hmm.
1: unbelievable engineers at, at Treyarch. but oh yeah um very,
0: but very, very high quality bar. Treyarch, and Ward. Extremely,
1: extremely, which respawn. I didn't I didn't truly appreciate yeah, no, no, as, no, until I left because that was, top, you know, I top was,
0: tier talent yeah. here. Yeah.
1: Um, but you know, but they're taking drops with this new thing, and we're kind of we all get to figure it out at the same time, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was also really fun as an intern. Yeah. It was an amazing experience. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. So look, Jay, you got to work on some of the best net code in the industry. Um, perhaps, perhaps what I would consider to be the best lineage of Netcode—the Quake lineage through through to Counter Strike, through to Call of Duty, and, and then on to Apex Legends, and then other other variants. Um, and, and it's not just a, it's not just Netcode; it's a way of life, right? Yes. So let's let's dive in on a let's do a little a rapid fire section, okay? Um, and uh, we're we're just gonna, you know, it's it's sort of like uh, I'm, I'm just gonna ask a question, and let's just get let's just get your your quickest, hottest take. Okay. okay, and uh, and then we'll move on. and We'll do this, and we'll dive in details uh, in, in in the section after this. So uh, okay. a bit of a a bit of gimme for the first one, UDP versus yeah. TCP. UDP. Okay. Okay. Why?
1: <laughs> Why? Okay. Um, a lot of reasons. Um, head of line blocking is really the major one. Mm-hmm. Um, you you can't. Um, even if you have a game in which mm-hmm. you need you know, uh, reliable data, like let's say you're just sending inputs. Yeah. Um, you don't want to have to wait for the retransmission of a packet that gets dropped when you could send all of the inputs in the latest packet. So UDP is even yeah. superior for things like that.
0: Amen. Okay. Uh, Quake style versus Unreal style.
1: Uh, Quake style, for sure. Okay. Um,
0: why? What's the difference and why?
1: So, um, you know, my major, so there's a a lot of differences. Um, The the biggest difference, of course, is in the Quake style of networking with snapshots. Um, You get full Mm -hmm. state updates of the entire world at once. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And critically, that update is timestamped, right? So you have everything about the world and you know when it's timestamped. The Unreal networking, on the other hand, uh, you will get some updates for some objects. Mm-hmm. Um, they won't necessarily be timestamped. So you don't know exactly how old they are. Yep. Um, and um, you know, the, the kind of tricky bit really with games uh, is that games are about objects interacting, right? Like mm-hmm. they're not about objects in isolation. And so when something happens in the game, you're changing state on multiple objects at the same time. This impacted this, this touched this, this shot this. So um, to not have any guarantees about what order you're getting those things and whether you're getting them at the same time. And then furthermore, how old that data is, you know, I think it's very difficult to compensate for that appropriately. Um, And um, bingo, you got to kind of do it per mechanic. Whereas the thing about Quake is that it's the networking just works. And then you build your gameplay on top. You don't, think about it
0: yeah yeah I've, I've got to agree with that uh and this this dives into the whole snapshot discussion we, we'll, we'll talk a lot more about snapshots later yeah. uh interpolation versus extrapolation
1: depends it depends mm-hmm. on the on the what exactly you're trying to get done in the game or the mechanic generally speaking if you can interpolation mm-hmm. um but you know sometimes um like a good example is is uh you know, there's a reason that all uh, kind of melee attacks in uh, in shooters feel like shotgun blasts, right? Yeah. You can't really- literally,
0: They're literally implemented as invisible shotgun blasts. Right.
1: You can't really <laughs> touch, push, pull the other guy, change his yep. state directly. Um, and okay. so if you need to do that, then sometimes you got to extrapolate.
0: Got it, got it, okay. Or
1: with sports, that could be another reason.
0: Good point, uh, okay. Determinism mm-hmm. or sending state.
1: Sending state, mm-hmm. I think, is is almost always ideal. Um, mm-hmm. the the challenges with not sending state, aside from the fact that you have to make it deterministic, which can be a challenge in itself, especially mm-hmm. in the new world order of cross-platform everything. Yeah. Um you know, you've got to deal with late joins and how you deal with stuff like that. Mm-hmm, you've got to mm-hmm. deal with um, the spiral of death of what happens if you can't run S- enough simulation to catch up. Yep. Um, yep. You know, so these things are all kind of go away if you just send some state.
0: Yep. Good point. Uh, client server versus peer to peer.
1: Client server for sure. Why? Um, Why? Well, you know, I so here's one of the things about peer-to-peer right even in fighting games and i love this argument right fighting game guys are really big on the fact that their games have to be peer-to-peer because they want to be directly connected to that guy Mm -hmm. right so they imagine uh you've got point a that's me you got point b that's the other guy adding a server in the middle has to make that worse right but no but it's just not how it is yeah (laughs) right glenn is the expert of this at the moment right like you know, there's no, re- there's actually, it's not true that the shortest point is. The internet is not a series
0: internet. of tubes, everybody. No. And the internet yeah. is
1: not optimized for my house connecting to your house. It is optimized yeah. in a lot of ways for me getting to Amazon. It is optimized all the way for me getting to Google's cloud. Right? It's
0: actually optimized. If it's optimized for anything, it's optimized for cost. For cost, yeah. But you could kind of look at it as being, it's optimized to get you to the nearest internet exchange point, maybe. Right. That's right. maybe one way to look at it. And I'll right. bet if you're in Santa Monica and you're playing against someone, you might be going down to One Wilshire in downtown LA and then back to the other dude's house. Yep, it's just how it is.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so if you could have your server closest to there, mm-hmm. it might not be any worse. It might even be better. In a lot. Yeah, of I've
0: actually routes, seen it. So. I've seen it better. My my worst experience shipping a game was a peer to peer game. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the inconsistency of peer to peer is just tragic.
1: Yeah. Uh, and okay. It's, it, yeah. So there you go.
0: So another one, uh, player hosting versus dedicated hosted servers
1: dedicated for sure why um multiple reasons um one is that um upload bandwidth is is not great still in a lot Mm -hmm. of places you know when you look at a lot of common home internet connections download speeds can be extremely high like uh, here i have 300 megabits down and i have like 20 up right so It's really optimized for download. And so when you become the server and, you know, depending on the player count of your game, the bandwidth usage, right? You have to send everyone's data to them. Um, and you can really be the bottleneck. And on top of that, it can be really challenging actually to measure that appropriately in your title. And so knowing whether or not someone's a good server can actually be quite a challenge to get right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, it you have the reliability. It may each. not even be a
0: constant thing. They might be on Wi-Fi and just cooking. Right. And out. also,
1: you, this is a problem with matchmaking too, right? This is why matchmaking yeah. is such a headache. Uh, how do you deal with the conflicting issues of uh, bandwidth, upload bandwidth on one side, but latency on the other? Do you, do you uh, go with the guy who, you know- Nat,
0: nat type? That type,
1: right? Maybe they connectivity. Maybe now. Can everyone yeah. connect to them? Does I have to go through a relay? You know, yep. these are things yep. that are not. There's uh, no uh, right uh, answer. Uh, uh, uh.
0: Host migration.
1: Yes, and then Kill finally, me. host migration, which, which, yeah, which you don't want to have to write. First of all, but yeah, no, no one I'm... even wants to sit through. Even if you do get it yeah. right, it still sucks. Yeah. The experience is not good. Um, and realistically yeah. speaking, if if you can't afford your servers for your game. You're not really monetizing it very well right i mean like practically speaking what what these server costs you know if your game is optimized as well as it can be for fitting as many th- things mm-hmm. on a server as you can even if your game's free you know you should be able to make that work you know the 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 one case where it's really a negative is when your game is like on life support and you really want to keep it available for people to play Yeah, there's but get spend. to a minimum. Yeah. So there's a minimum spend. Yeah. That's the one negative, but who mm-hmm. plan? You know, you can't choose all of your game development based on having to keep your game on life support. That's not the that's not the path to success, right? Yeah. Um, plan for
0: success. Okay. How about last question? Mm-hmm. Cloud versus bare metal.
1: Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have a strong opinion on this because I don't have a lot of experience. We go cloud because we're a small mm-hmm. group and I can't be managing bare metal.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but I have now worked, for example, with Multiplay, who does bare metal. Um, and so yeah. I'm actually not very aware of the pros and cons of that. Um, cool. But I would love okay. to hear your take.
0: My, my take is a mix of a mix is good. And I, I see surprisingly good performance on cloud these days. Um, yeah. My the only thing with cloud that kind of gets me is that high egress bandwidth charge is, is mm-hmm. a bit of a, a bit of a kicker. Mm-hmm. Um and uh if that high egress went down, the the flexibility of cloud um yeah. would just be that's win interesting.
1: Egress has yeah. not been very expensive for us overall. I mean, maybe interesting you know, our game is just such that the bandwidth just wasn't very high. Oh but, yeah, man. You uh, start
0: we we have some customers who do megabits and it's just like yeah. holy, it's like half of the river cost.
1: Yeah, that right?
0: makes sense. So, yeah. so it's it's it very much depends on how much bandwidth you're using. Um, I would love to see the price go down, and uh, yeah, typically with bare metal, you, you get a certain amount of bandwidth kind of baked into the price. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, you can't you can't just spin it up and shut it down on a minute basis. So, right, right. cool. Okay, let's let's dive in now. So let's talk a little bit about SnapNet. So, sure. uh, you, you you've worked on, and this is this is a product that you guys have created, I'll just throw up like a little screen share here and uh, show you the main website. So we got here, Snap, SnapNet, AAA net code for real-time multiplayer games. Yeah. Tell me about it. What's the deal?
1: So the deal is um, a, a couple of things. So um, we, we did, so obviously I have the experience with Call of Duty um, and then um, we also have done a, a sports game that was, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of like um, like, Pong with people, sort of, uh, it's a, you throw a Frisbee and you're kind of playing air hockey with it. Um, very fast game. Um, the type of thing you would probably use rollback or something like that for. Um, yeah. uh, we at the time had been developing the kind of Quake-style netcode um, within Unreal Engine. Um, and we used that with some tricks to make that not so bad.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um to ship, um, but, this but you would just
0: but you were just missing your, you were missing your uh, Quake style netcode inside on yeah was oh it? yeah the yeah uh, um, sorry wait is, is is this the genesis of Snapchat Snapnet yeah, basically yes I don't Unreal, want to use Unreal netcode anymore oh yeah yes the the genesis
1: was definitely you know I want the experience that we have at you know had at uh, Activision working on the mm-hmm. Quake engine um definitely are exactly what you said right of like the epiphany that and i tried to do multiplayer stuff before working in trailer right um and it was I mean, i'm embarrassed frankly about what once you see that how it's said. done but yeah once you yeah. see how it's done there's no going back i mean it's obviously yeah. superior it's obviously the right approach in mm-hmm. terms of um you can't have your gameplay engineers focused on the networking of the mechanic right yeah you want you want them to know that if they if they if they do it it within the framework that it's just gonna work and be correct, yeah. right? Um, And uh, because these things are insanely difficult to test. I mean, even with us making that disc jam game, it's a four player game. There's two of us, right? We need that stuff to work right away and work the first time and not have to worry about uh, testing every network condition for every mechanic, right? Um, Mm -hmm. It's just, you can't even do it, right? It's just such a recipe for disaster. Um, So yeah, a lot of it uh, came down to, okay, you know, we want to do this, um, which we did. And we did it in certain ways that were. You know, had some success. Had some learned some failures about you know we were working with Unreal for the first time about the best way to kind of integrate some of this stuff, Um, as well as um, you know obviously writing that model from the ground up. Learned a lot doing that, Um, and um, and then on top of that, we then were doing this game that really wasn't a great fit for that model because it's a sports game. Um, Yeah,
0: thinking about a sports game using a Quake model, the first thing I think of is look here is a model fundamentally designed for multiple players to move around a mostly static world and shoot at each other ideally with instant hit weapons thinking more counter-strike call of yeah. duty here yeah. and but only to interact at a distance to the point where you could even not even allow the players to some games even don't allow players to collide right because there's just no way to make it good yeah so how Which did you I like how did actually. you solve it like, like, like i prefer that too. i prefer that yeah.
1: um yeah. yeah so what we did uh was uh we actually have uh, for every player they actually have their own copy of the disc that is okay. predicted along with their player. Ooh. And then we only ever show you the disc for the local player. So everyone's yeah. showing the predicted disc. That has the negative, of course, of you can't predict the catches. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. um, we could have blended. Between... Think Rocket
0: think Rocket League does something similar with the ball. They're, they're some... doing the quite prediction on the ball.
1: Well, yeah. Th- yeah, yeah. But they do it for everyone. Um, and that was actually, you know, it was essentially the same kind of idea that I was having is once you go down that route, route and yeah. you realize what you're doing, which is to say, like, look, I really need to be able to predict those caches, right? And there's really no reason I can't. Mm-hmm. It's kind of stupid that I can't, but I can't touch his state. Um, yep. and, and so you quickly get to the, the same kind of model that the fighting game guys have, right? Which is like, mm-hmm. I want to just simulate this whole thing for so you're, you're not you're, that you're, big.
0: You're talking now about a GTPI style.
1: Yes. And where you you say, I'm going to simulate the whole game forward, not just myself, not just mm-hmm. myself and the disk, but really I want to simulate them too and do everything they're doing. And I want to simulate the game forward because then I can touch their state. I can predict the cache, right? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But traditionally, that requires... I'm going to throw up
0: a screen now with, uh, with GTPO, and this actually is an open source project. Yes. Uh, and uh, best of breed, best of class for, mm-hmm. for, the, for the low player count fighting games that are deterministic. Fair to say, Jay?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Cool. It's okay.
1: A, it's, a, it's certainly a, a benchmark. Of, so this is ggpo.net. Okay. Um, and so with ggpo and the like, right, you're sending inputs only and your whole thing's mm-hmm. deterministic. And that just doesn't jive with what we're trying to do, which is really full 3D titles in mm-hmm. Unreal Engine. Uh, that's cross-play and cross-platform. You yeah, don't, you don't
0: have this deterministic core built into one engine. So one way to go would right. be to go, I'm going to make my own deterministic game engine core. And for my netcode and everything in it, you do your, your own collision, touching. your own map, yeah. you're
1: going to use fixed point libraries or Heavy lift. software point, you know, yeah. it has performance impacts. It has yep. workflow yep. impacts. Um, And it's, you know, you lose a lot of the benefits of working with something like Unreal Engine, which has a lot of workflow stuff built into it, right? Mm -hmm, Um, You mm -hmm. want to be able to make use of their tremendous library of utility functions, everything they're doing, and, you know, being able to pull data, even just pulling data out of, like, something that you configure, right? Mm -hmm. Can you guarantee that when you cook it, that that floating point data is the same? I, I don't know. You know, do you yeah. want to go down that road? Right, there's a lot. Do you want to, to be it. the person?
0: Do you want to be the person who binary search debugs that on a
1: right or a like you know playback? You're trying, playback to, in a you're new trying to play back some <laughs> animation, right? And you need to get some bone location. How do you get it deterministically? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you start getting into the full 3D, there's a lot of challenges there to doing that. Um, and and mm-hmm. that sort of let because us know, of because well, because of the
0: floating point and and uh and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and
1: you have to use, yeah. you know, if you're doing cross play, you have to be using multiple compilers, you know, depending on the platform. And so getting these yeah. things to all sync up is like, you know, yeah. an exercise in frustration. And I, I you know, whether or not it's even really doable without having to heavily modify our I engine, I would
0: I would say, say generally more- speaking like if you're going to have the same freaking compiler Right. And and then do a bunch on every platform. Yeah. And and then also right. And then also do all the stuff again. That's it's it's doable, but you you have different compilers and different runtimes on on different platforms. No, no way in hell. Yeah. Yeah. Not gonna happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so then, you know, this kind of led us to the idea of, well, look, like what if we take the kind of same quake stuff that we're doing, right? But um, you can, you can. Maybe you're only predicting your local player, but maybe you can also run it in a mode where you're predicting everything,
0: right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so now
1: you're. It doesn't have to be deterministic as much so you, as you've,
0: you've, you've realized something that I, I, I think I, I've also realized myself in the last ten years, which is honestly, it isn't necessarily as black and white as GDPS style or Quake style. Yes, there is a definite cutoff on is it 100% deterministic or not, right? But in terms of how you're networking it, in terms of rollback and prediction, there really is a continuum between how much am I simulating everything or just the player?
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you could simulate, if you simulate everything, but you're still sending state, you know, is that equivalent to GGPo rollback? I would say that it is, right? Um, And and same thing with, you know, um, um, with the fact that, a lot of uh, like GGPO, for example, and a lot of games, they'll they'll set uh, you know a constant input delay um, so that input delay because of the rollback. Yeah, um, but that's yeah. also something that you could be flexible with, right? Like you could do mm-hmm. full input delay, and then it's basically synchronous, right? You're not doing any prediction. You're kind of mm-hmm. this is like kind mm-hmm. of so the there's another continuum model. Right there. But you're doing now. So now it's like, oh, you're doing lockstep, quote unquote, but you're still sending state and it's not deterministic. Right. Or Mm -hmm. you're doing Mm -hmm. full prediction, you know, or you could do anywhere in between or you can adjust it on the fly. It depends what you're rendering versus what you're sending. Right. Um, So the kind of the realization that you were saying this is not black and white, there's a spectrum. And that actually there's a way that all these things can live under the same umbrella without it being a nightmare. Right. That's
0: that's effectively what you wish that meant.
1: Uh, yes, exactly. And so with SnapNet, you can control, uh, you know, is are you doing a uh, local player prediction only or is it entire simulation? That's one toggle. Um, then you can also change up. Um, for example, you could say, oh, you know, when you're, you can control essentially how you want it to compensate for latency. So you could say, well, you know, I, if you're doing a shooter model, you could say, I don't want input delay ever. I never want any input delay mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. do all prediction. Um, but if you're simulating everything, you're doing a sports game, you might say, well, uh, you know, why don't we do up to three frames of input delay to cover the first 50 milliseconds of latency, then I'll allow yeah. up to another, let's say like six frames that this is assuming 60 Hertz, but you can configure that. But, mm-hmm. you know, then you'll do maybe like another six frames to cover another hundred milliseconds and we'll do prediction for that. And then beyond that, do more input delay, right? Yeah, yeah um, So yeah, that great. allows you to kind of get the best of all worlds where you say, well, okay. That's well- a good
0: spectrum because sometimes you just kind of just can't help that person. That person just due to distance or region or whatever, just they may get 100 milliseconds plus. But yeah, in the, in reality, I would say like if someone's above 150, it's kind of like, I don't know if there's much I can do for you. dude. Yeah. So I mean, I at get, that point, I get the input we, delay.
1: Yeah, yeah. At that point, we believe like it's better for you to actually feel the latency mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and have the game still look okay than it is to do what happens in most rollback solutions where you just predict that far out and everything's a teleporting mess.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. So, so really what you're doing is you're saying, and and, and it's it's sort of the same argument as that first 50 milliseconds, which is effectively sometimes it's more important to have consistency rather than the perceived minimal latency, but at a lot of um, uh, I, I don't know, I call it the window of bullshit. Right? right. It's like yeah, exactly. Like something weird's gonna that, happen.
1: If that window is large enough, right, how much is being able to respond instantly to not be to nothing oh, because you can't see anything? Yeah. You know, how much is that helping you? Yeah. That input that input responsiveness, right?
0: So this this opens up a really interesting discussion now. Let's talk about uh, a classic first-person shooter paradox. You know, mm-hmm. somewhere in the window of bullshit, this is something that every first-person shooter player uh, Will have experienced. I ducked behind cover,
1: mm-hmm.
0: shot, I ducked behind a wall, mm-hmm. and the guy shot me anyway, but I was already in cover. Yep. What happened, Jay?
1: Yeah. So typically, uh, what happens is um, so we, we as network guys, right, we can't make latency not exist, right? Mm-hmm. So there's going to be latency somewhere uh and most of this is a simula- is is us simulating a shared reality right and so mm-hmm. at some point you made a decision to go into cover mm-hmm. and so you started pressing the key or the stick to go right to duck behind cover let's say right um that takes some amount of time for you to get undercover mm-hmm. depending on how fast you're moving things like that meanwhile uh you are showing the result of you moving to the right behind cover immediately because you don't want any input delay. That would feel bad, So right? this, this so is the, the received... so-called
0: client-side prediction is what right. we're talking about here.
1: Correct. And so you've got yeah. client-side prediction where I'm sending to the server, hey, I'm, I'm going right. And uh, and, and you, you start going the, right, meantime, right away on the client. You start going right. So who yeah. knows how long it takes for the server to hear that? Maybe it takes a full second. You don't know what your ping is, right? Mm. So, so you're moving to the right. The server is going to get that at some point. Meanwhile, that same exact thing is happening on the other side of the scenario where you've got a guy who sees you before mm-hmm. you've moved to the right, he's yeah. aiming, and he's shooting you, right? Yeah. And so he's sending to the server, hey, I'm shooting this guy that I'm looking at right now. This is both happening at the same time, right? Yeah. So the question is, someone is going to have a bad experience here, right? Yeah. Either who's the guy who's aiming Shooter? you is either, either wrong because he yeah. doesn't know that you've ducked yet. Or yeah. the guy who's ducking is wrong because he doesn't know he's been shot yet. So, yeah. Yeah. someone's got to make that call. right?
0: And, and, and here's it, the thing that the choice of what's done here is the very flavor of your shooter. Yep. Right. That, and and, and yes. a lot of different choices here, but I would say Call of Duty generally favors the shooter.
1: Yeah. Most yeah. shooters, I think, do
0: today. Yeah. Um. yeah. Just imagine, I mean, you get a clean headshot off and you're like, I shot the guy. What the fuck? Right? Like Mm -hmm. scope, sites, shot the guy. I don't get it. Bullshit. Right. Right. It's when there's there's two people on both one person on each side. Um, it it has to appear consistent and you have to kind of pick whose consistency wins out. You know, yeah, Yeah.
1: and and I, I argue that it makes sense for the reason that, you know, which side of the is the skill really on? Right. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's more likely that someone is using their skill to intentionally aim exactly where you are, even if you're yeah. moving quickly, even if you're doing whatever and getting you, then it is likely that you're like using your expert moves to dodge his
0: yeah. Game. Hey, you maybe know. if you have a, a dodgeball game with a yeah. projectile that isn't instant hit, a right. reasonable <laughs> argument could be made that like you get some sort of a, a save chance and then and then mm-hmm. it becomes an interesting interplay between two exactly. different yeah. Okay. Exactly. So, so and,
1: and that's really where design meets networking that I think is really interesting, right? And this is yeah. why with with any given network model, right, you can't have it all, right? Yep. So you have to yep. decide which box you're going to put your designers in and, and they have to play by those rules, right? And So, so there's
0: so there's an interesting thing here when you look at Call of Duty. One of one of the defining aspects of Call of Duty is the kill replay. Yes. And yep. why is it why this is it is, there? It's there for this very reason.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. what are you showing in the kill replay versus the perception of the player who was just shot? How is mm-hmm. it different?
1: And, and this is actually fascinating, right? Because you have... Um, so if you were to send what the server had during this same span of time, right? What you would see in your kill cam is the guy not aiming at, the player, right? You would mm-hmm, see the guy mm-hmm. missing, yeah. Um, if if you were to sort of naively just send over what the server had at each of these timestamps, right? And this um, this is
0: because, and I'm sorry, we jumped over it. It's yeah. because you're doing lag compensation, right, on the right. attacker's and, shots, so they don't have to lead the target.
1: That's right. And so you, you as a shooter are looking at a guy who, in generally speaking, you're interpolating, right? So he's yeah. in the past relative to stuff you've received from the server. You, as we've just explained, are ahead in time. So mm-hmm. you, are, you are showing things that the server has not yet confirmed because you, you've mm-hmm. sent it and are, you're assuming that it happens. Um, and so the server then has to, when it eventually hears that you took a shot, it needs to go back and look at where the guy you were shooting was on your mm-hmm. screen when you did that right and decide whether or not to confirm the hit based on that right um and so for that reason that guy is no longer actually aiming where that guy is he's aiming where that guy was and the server simply compensating for it so if you were to send that naively over in a kill cam that would look wrong and you would go this game is broken right and so instead you actually have to make sure that you are sending the the data from that guy's point of view in time, but then mm-hmm. sending where everyone was when he was actually doing those so things. You,
0: so you're effectively reconstructing the client's point of view, mm-hmm. his time stream.
1: Yeah. What he saw the on when he made his the screen when he yeah. made the kill, not necessarily not. what was actually happening.
0: Yeah. yeah. So and when we, when we say actually happening, we definitely would agree that it's the server's perception the server is, 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 is the, the actual the happiness. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But here we're stretching it a little bit to basically say, you're the shooter, you are shooting at something in the past because we're not extrapolating it for you.
1: Correct. And so in that example, you gave of the guy ducking behind cover, you in the kill cam would see yourself get shot, not having yet gone behind cover because that's what the shooter saw. Right. Um, And and this is actually a very challenging uh, feature to implement generically. Uh, is something mm-hmm. that SnapNet does does like commentated instant replays and full match replays, um, mm-hmm. so that as you cycle around between spec- who you're spectating, it gets adjusted. Oh my god,
0: you did that too! Yeah. I did that code for uh, Titanfall too. I, re- yeah. I redid it the. Sucks. Yeah, it, it's the it, sucks it, to is, write it. it is the hardest. <laughs> is the logically hardest piece of code I've ever written in yeah. my entire career. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I re- These rewrote Things are the, very difficult
1: to reason about.
0: I made it so that you could delta from the point of view to one of one person. You could delta our frame to the point of view of another person, yeah, and the delta yeah. would work. And it did all of the tricks with the make sure that the weapon and the whatever is you, you, you know, all the stuff you got to do. I do, it's crazy,
1: it's crazy, yeah. right? Um, yeah. and so, yes, and so, uh, we. We did that as well. Um, and uh, and it's challenging, especially when you're kind of pulling this stuff out of replay file, right? Because you got to pull it out of multiple places because you got to go mm. and get the for the different time stream, right? And you're jumping. Oh, okay. Around. You guys, you,
0: you drove your implementation from a replay file.
1: Okay, cool. Uh, well, not not the instant replay, not the kill. Okay. Just yep, I'm yep, talking yep, about yep, a full yep, match yep. replay. The instant replays, I know, for example, like Overwatch in their talk, they talked about how they essentially take our little replay file and then send that over. Mm-hmm. Um, but um we kind of go a more quake-based. Yeah, I did it the hard bad. way too. Yeah, yeah, where we yeah. where you just change what you're sending, the snapshots that you're sending. That's the uh, Client, yeah. yeah, but that's great because it's it's instant, you know. Yep. But there's yep. challenges obviously to that as well as you know if any kind of future information you need to get and about how to you know show a sexy camera angle or something, right? Like that can get tricky. Um, there's yeah. stuff in there, uh, but um, yeah.
0: So let's talk about uh, another very common uh, another very common thing uh a shotgun okay so a shotgun has spread and that spread is real but but how do we how do we guarantee that the shotgun spread is the same on the client and and on the server when the server does the actual damaging so the real shotgun blast that actually damages somebody is obviously on the server uh but if i see spread and i see little flecks of shrapnel hitting somebody uh, I'm going to feel pretty unhappy if that doesn't actually register as a kill.
1: Yeah, exactly. So let, let's so go think through about, this. How so do, think, we do about it? The case, think about the case where, it, where you do nothing, right? Think about the case where yeah. you just say, look, I'm going I'm to take the direction you're shooting. Let's mm-hmm. say you have whatever logic to generate a bunch of random angle offsets yeah. Roll from there. the random I, that's number. Gonna, yeah, yeah you, and then I'm going to put the things there, right? So what's going to happen is the server is going to do its own random numbers and they're going to choose certain random numbers and it's going to go in a certain spread pattern uh maybe Mm -hmm. you hit the guy that's in front of you in three out of ten of those shots right but maybe the client just showed him getting like a full blast of ten you know like seven out of ten or whatever Mm -hmm. um you know that's not going to make sense then when the guy either does or doesn't die um Mm -hmm. and it's not going to make sense if you see a bullet impact that is literally right behind the guy And you're like but that doesn't make sense it went through him um so you you need those things to line up especially certainly as you get further away and that cone becomes wider it's even more important um because it's the difference between a hit at all and a miss um so um this is a good example of where determinism matters but it doesn't have to be strict bitwise determinism as in you know inputs right so you don't have to worry so much about like you know is it correctly rounded to the tiniest epsilon yeah, like um, is it is like, it
0: bit identical as in like i could take i could step it forward take right. a checksum and the checksum would be binary identical on two different
1: machines exactly it's not at that level um yeah. near so, enough so so this is where near enough is important right you want to generate the same random numbers so the spread mm-hmm. is the same even if you know it's not bitwise identical so you know essentially what you really want to do is is seed a you can either you know you could use there are a lot of different options i mean you could uh, use a hash function that has a good distribution mm-hmm. and use a constant seed um, you could send um, uh, a seed along mm-hmm. with your input if you want to do that um, you know i would argue the, the easiest and best thing to do is generally use a seed i, I generally combine actually uh, i, I kind of use like a macro that kind of combines the current line number of the file mm-hmm. along with like the the uh, some identifier for the uh, object itself right. um, and generate a unique seed from that using the frame, mm-hmm. the time and the, you know, I, so that basically I, it's also, unique for the time and the line, the whatever, and then you use that to seed. Yeah, that. and, and
0: it's still it, it still has differences from one shot to the next. It's just exactly. that it's only varying on something that it's really only varying on time and the object number, which yep. is the same on the client and the server. That's a good approach. I've also seen it done where, the player's uh, actual input structure for that frame driving that shot is is fed into a hash that drives the seed yep um, yep yep and uh, but but any anything that gets the same seed on the client and the server for that spread is the solution and if you think about it you can do it without actually sending the seed at all
1: yeah yep
0: pretty cool Absolutely. okay um, so and, and
1: it's worth pointing out right in a fully deterministic uh game right yeah. you would typically start with the same seed out the gate mm-hmm. um but because you're always generating the it's same random the same numbers seed. in the same order yeah. in, for each frame yeah. that would all be consistent right that's not the mm-hmm. case in a model like this you need yeah for the place where you're generating the random stream to start with the seed relative relevant yeah. to that specific piece
0: so so effectively you have a function that's going to go you know, calculate spread. And it works out all of, all of the bullet rays. And, and you have, you just stick in a seed that is like, I'm going to hash X, Y, and Z and X, Y, and Z are going to be the same on the client at the time when it shoots and same on the server when it runs that player command and you get the same spread.
1: Yes. however one, you choose to do it. And, and one actually very important caveat for any of you trying this at home. Uh, you know, there are <laughs> a number of functions that you'll have, right? For, for using a random number generator that, that takes a seed, yeah. Um, and you want to be careful actually, because not all random number generators that take a seed will actually generate a, a uniform random distribution mm. for okay. between seeds, right? So, like, so, like, yeah. you know, if, if you if you so put in a random seed and generate a random yeah. number, you won't get a, a uniform distribution out of all of that. So, if you're if you you may find that because if you're using something like that that you know maybe your shotgun's constantly skewing to the right more than it does left or it you know that's quite so, interesting so, and that would be quite
0: a quite an issue obviously yes, for, for yes. a game based on the uniform distribution of yes, shotgun
1: or maybe like too predictable or you know even yeah. if it's not constant you know it's sounds that it could be sounds like
0: something that might have been learned the hard way I would say yes. through through yes. debugging a thing. Yes. yes. So, and so wisdom. there are
1: there are better versions of that a hash is also a great option because that's kind yeah. of the point of it. Yeah,
0: pretty cool. Okay, yes. uh, so we we briefly touched on the time streams. So we have the you know effectively with the combination of client side prediction, putting the yourself your client sort of ahead of the server. Let's say you're ahead by 100 milliseconds. That's a predicted time stream for that player. Yes. There's also on the server, uh, the at least the way that I've looked at it, that I I always view it as sort of like there's a sort of a server time stream that is like. AI and objects and everything that just kind of step forward. Yes. But each player kind of have their own time stream and they may move forward only when they get inputs. And this is something not many people are aware of.
1: Yes. So
0: every player has their unique time stream, both on their client, but also on the server. If an input does not come in, the server does not advance that player forward.
1: Right. There we go. Right. So um, this is something, this is the way that Quake works. Uh, for example. Um, And so what you'll see is that part of your input command that you send to the server is uh, that it actually contains either a timestamp or a Delta uh, time Mm -hmm. from the last timestamp. It can be helpful to kind of send the full timestamp, which you kind of need to do anyway for some of the uh, backwards reconciliation stuff, but uh, to prevent some of these like speed hacks, right, where you're sending. uh, commands with inflated t- delta times and things like that. So effectively,
0: uh, every input being sent from a client to the server is not just an input and the server doesn't just keep extrapolating, holding the same input if it doesn't receive another one. It's actually a series of delta times with inputs at the beginning of each frame. Yes. And this is the quake way.
1: Yes. Now, there are some significant problems with that. Um, yeah. You know, one being um, that uh, players then resulting movement on everybody's screen as is is kind of as bursty as their connection delivery is, mm-hmm. um, which especially when you, you can have do a out like, delay
0: on that, that. There are things that you can do.
1: Th- th- all these but things of, are all of them cost of
0: latency. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. And so there, you know, there are things like that. There are things like um, you know that that makes it um, uh, make lag switches and things like that, where mm-hmm. you temporarily block your outgoing packets um, yep. and then send it all in a burst at the end. Um, you know, more doable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right, right. And you kind of can teleport, you know, and all these things can be mitigated. Like you can have some max delta before you just advance them. You can mm-hmm. do, there are a lot of things you can do. Um, oh,
0: oh, 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 one thing, one thing I did basically, especially with our time stream stuff, when you're doing that lag compensation as well, when you're shooting in the past, common mistake people make when they shoot, they, they don't clamp how far back in the past you can go. I think even the Overwatch oh, guys yes. were like, yes. they're like, oh my, God. actually we brought that down to 200 milliseconds. Yes, <laughs> yes. Because yes. if you're shooting at someone a second and go, you do have a bit of an advantage over
1: yeah. them <laughs> yeah i mean it's gonna feel more than unfair it's gonna feel straight up broken right it's like yeah, dude, totally i wasn't cool. anywhere near that guy um yeah yeah so um, and that's yeah, where
0: that's where lag switches that. can sometimes be unfairly uh unreasonably effective if you can if you yeah. can oh shoot back to the player hosted service thing imagine yes. being the server hosting using lag switch everyone stops moving you pop them that's enough to go to a dedicated server yeah, right there. That's, yeah, that that's, the,
1: that's it. That's the, yeah. you know, you, you don't need to hear any more than that to know. Done. But are hosted. Okay. It's not worth.
0: So yeah. let's, let's now dive in. We've got Snap, we snap you know, um, SnapNet.dev. Yes. What's the snapshot? Um,
1: well, sorry. One more thing on oh, that okay, last okay, point, okay. because I, I think that it's um, with respect to SnapNet, right? Because we want to support fighting games, sports games, things like that. Mm-hmm. We specifically do not do that. So we have, we have a fixed frame. Um, we do a fixed tick, yep. um, and um, and so we are not doing the variable delta now. Because one of you the have advantages, more than... though, that's great about the variable yeah. delta is especially with people with high frame rate monitors. You got things mm-hmm. like you can support mm-hmm. that really natively and directly, and yeah. so it lets you shave off some latency, right?
0: I do, um, I do remember quite uh, Titanfall One. I believe my memory's fuzzy, but I believe that we had to restrict it to one hundred and forty-four hertz, and people screamed a blue murder. Simply because the server simulation cost of that player at a higher delta was just too much for the, the yeah, server instance That makes handling. total
1: sense. Yeah, that makes
0: total sense. Uh, I was so there actually is actually. a there's a good there's a good argument for fixed delta times from clients um, because it is a fixed load rather than one person's running at thousand fps and the other guy's running at sixty.
1: Yeah, and the the big challenge then, of course, is if you run at a fixed tick rate. Then how do you support these variable refresh rate monitors, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, but thankfully, now right, I, you like
0: you got to decouple the client server client view and simulation frame rates.
1: Exactly. So yeah. so that those have to be separate, and you need you know the the same interpolation uh, functionality that you're using to interpolate things in the past yep. can also be repurposed to interpolate it's literally the same thing for rendering. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Uh, some some people might remember the fixture time step article that I wrote in. 2001 uh 20 years later i can tell you that effectively that's just the quake network model yeah and the simulation of the server and the renderer as the client in one process it's basically the same thing
1: yeah it's awesome
0: cool all right so snapshots snapshots so why, why shouldn't i just why shouldn't i just send down like the 100 most important objects in my packet and have a steady bitrate? rate? why do, why do i want to have this varying kind of like del- delta encoding because of course the world state is very big and yes. i'm sending only the differences from the last state the client got and the next one
1: yeah
0: why why do i why do i want to do this complicated delta and snapshot thing what's the advantage mm-hmm.
1: A uh, number of advantages one at a you know just a pure implementation level right if you consider um doing partial state where you send like oh most recent 100 or whatever um it can become even more challenging than to send a delta uh and one of the advantages of sending yeah. a delta is that uh you're really making efficient use of bandwidth right you can really get mm-hmm. things quite small when you're doing it's a, true. A delta encoding you you can kind of Noodle left forever, so there's a danger, and like you could spend your whole life getting shaving some bits off. But, but it, but the even the coarse version, you're getting drastic savings in bandwidth, right? And so mm. the reality or, is, order
0: of magnitude reductions, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, and and so and so the reality is that the um, the the more you you can fit, right, the more data you're getting over, the better the yeah. experience for the end user. Is. So there's that,
0: and and also let's let's face it as well, the world is not the world is not going to a low bandwidth future, right? We're, we're, we'll, hand it, we'll have a gigabit, 10 gigabits within 10 years for everybody. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. What, what are we going to put in there? What's well, not going to be necessarily a deterministic input-based synchronization. It's going to be a big honking snapshot, yeah. right? Snapshots yeah. are going to win yeah. because when bandwidth is no longer as scarce as it was, we're already living in that world megabit or two megabits can be sent down yeah you can represent with a delta most of the world state of a very large world in that at some rate like 10 hertz or 20 hertz or 30 hertz
1: yeah i mean you you can even do pretty large games at at 60 and it's you know with modern bandwidth so that's that's tractable you know um and um and it's only going to get easier right um and one of the other massive benefits though right is as i was saying before earlier about the fact that games are about these objects interacting right yeah yeah Um, i mean if you say oh well you
0: you can't take an object in isolation yeah it's yeah you know like i i
1: i yeah i do something and that affects this guy's state and i you know i touch him and now he's infected i'm not infected anymore whatever it is you're trying to sync, right are you going to now have both two people that look infected neither Right, depending on what order you get these, one updates. or the other. Are you gonna, yeah. yeah, are you gonna or, or when you even drop capture the flag? Is the yeah. flag on nobody for a time, or just on one guy? Do you yeah. see two yeah. of them, right? What, these are what, things you got to deal with that, like, you want hard guarantees about, right?
0: Another another good example is like uh, myself and my Titan and my weapon and my inventory and that mm-hmm. cloak that I'm wearing and you know all the stuff. They're all objects. They're all really. I think of it this way: you're going to have to either know every perfectly know every object dependency or interrelation yeah. and and then you're going to end up pulling most objects in anyway you can't you can't just kind of go this object of course
1: is like the big danger of course is like look as a as a you know there's a big difference between whether or not something's technically possible and Mm -hmm. what it takes to get you there right yeah um like could can you do partial state and get that correct you know sure right Ish. ish yeah ish but but, the but is it always like, going to be
0: correct? Can right. it be guaranteed like, how to be you, correct? How
1: do you know that in all scenarios of how long these things can be delayed or other yeah. things that've been going on that can starve out this thing from getting in the packet? Right, that you're not yeah. going to have a massive bug that yep. you haven't tested. Right, like there's yeah. no way for you to validate that. It's impossible. It's, it's
0: intractable to validate. I mean, yeah. I, I remember when I was when I, I was working on yeah, God of War it. Ascension. Yeah. Um. I would. Everyone was like, "You got to do Lake John. You got to." I'm like, I can't do it because. The world state, like, I can't test.
1: How do you know when you've gotten it all?
0: Yeah, yeah. How do I know when it all works? Because it'll look like it works, and then there'll be a billion edge cases, and then someone will join in between X and Y, yeah. and it will be the world will be broken for them for the rest of the game. Yeah. And I, I'm, I, I was just like, we can't do late join. Just it's a technical yeah. decision that was made years yeah. ago. I know we want it. I know it's unfortunate that we can't do it. I know we need it, but the network architecture that was done, which was a peer-to-peer with one person acting as the server for level logic, I can't late join in that and then get an initial snapshot of that entity system. When I say entity system, I just mean the in the God of War the engine the entity. Well, it was more, kind of like the level objects and like the states of various invisible objects and triggers and stuff like complicated yeah, yeah. stuff that you yeah. don't want to have wrong. Yeah. Right? Like, like, yeah. Like I couldn't guarantee it.
1: Breaking and I was stuff like, that really should only have to go forward in time and always be consistent. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, yeah. There's, there's a yeah, big difference know, and, between and looks like it works and like I can prove and know that it works. And I know that it's generally going to be problem free.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and, and massive delta.
1: And, and then, you know, there's two more issues, frankly, which is um, one is, I'm sorry, but when you've got knobs on how important something's supposed to be, and you're trying to noodle that based on like screen size and with yeah. camera, frost, like you're never going to get that. what is the right answer, right? That is that is like you're giving a billion knobs to someone, and you, yeah. you you're pretending like there is some yeah. tuning of those knobs which is correct. So here's here's the typical that's not the case.
0: Here's the typical unreal way. And I've done this in the past too, and I found that it works very good for physics simulations, but I would never use it for game code for a simulated system for where an extrapolation is high quality. I would contend that it, it can be an effective bandwidth optimization, but even that's not going to be the case when bandwidth is effectively infinite within the next 10 years, right? Yeah. For any reasonably sized scene. But, but the bottom line is, look, uh, you, 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 you were sitting here with uh, enough bandwidth to use. Your, 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 your choice is basically, do I have an eventually consistent system or do I just show the visual results from the server in a series of time-tagged time, time tagged snapshots, each one, a specific vertical column of all world state of all objects at that time? Right. And then right. I know that it's always right. Alive. And you
1: can view any of those and you know it's consistent and that it makes mm-hmm. sense to, to the player, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and furthermore, right, the, the other issue is let's say that you only want to show known good states, right? And you're mm-hmm. sending partial states. So the problem is, you're either then going to be showing different objects at different points in time because yeah, you have to interpolate you, gonna, them gonna, based on that, which yeah. has its own consistency problems, right? Which we just yep. talked about. Or you can only interpolate based on the the one you've heard about least recently. In which yeah. case, why why wouldn't you just yeah. send it all? Yeah, and, yeah. and hand, then and then right? the server
0: has to and kind of be more recent. How how are you then going to on the server reconcile with that to work out well in their time stream and then in that? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Of, it really is sort of. I would just say. Look at the end of my career, unreal partial state style networking is approximate and sloppy yeah. on the point of view of the client shooting at trash. That's right. That's right? right. Really shooting, That's shooting right. it like what? You know, I think
1: I think it can be quite useful for games that are large and non-competitive in nature, right? Yeah. So like if you could just uh, let open the world games be perhaps with lots of, over a lot of stuff, like, yeah. oh, I shot that that enemy monster, that yeah. AI monster who cares if you lied, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. okay, yeah. fine. And Amen. you know, you're showing things. And as long as it is approximately correct, you don't care. But if, yeah. if competition, if competitive integrity, if any of that is important, you know, it's near impossible. I think yeah. to, you
0: should to be shooting it. at a defined interpolation between two known snapshots. And yeah. then the server will wind back in time, do the exact same interpolation, reconstruct the position down to the freaking bone level, shoot yeah. someone on the kneecap, yeah. That the knee will be in the exact the same place on the server when it reconstructs the point of view of the world as per when that person shot in the past. Yep. And that's the bar for that's, for, for yeah,
1: this here stuff. Right. And then the benefit is once when you do that, you can just write your game on top and you're not figuring yeah. out like, well, where am I gonna hide the latency for this grenade toss? Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm.
0: There's yeah. another there's another thing as well that I really like, which is when you do a snapshot-based approach for the vast majority of objects which are not owned or controlled by the local client, you can get away with sending only visibly relevant state. Now, assuming that you're not simulating between snapshots like in a sports game, but you could be sending uh, enough to drive the animation, the position and the orientation, but you yes. don't even need to send velocity if you're doing a lerp,
1: yes. right? It's, it's you, don't, you don't need to send important.
0: the internal of an engine for a car, Correct. right? So it's,
1: it's super important efficiency wise, especially when you start doing larger games that you can send data for the stuff that you're interpolating at a totally different precision. Some things, not at all, some things differently, completely. That's Um, totally true. You know, like it, you know, do, do I need to know how much ammo that guy has? Why?
0: You don't. Yeah. (laughs) Unless there's some sort of visual. Yeah. Yeah. I need to know my own because I'm predicting and running. So, so there is what, there is a concept that I call, Deep versus shallow synchronization. So a deep synchronization would literally be like myself and all of the internal my inventory, all the bullets in each thing, everything I have, the cooldowns on every weapon, my my health, every like everything. No one else can see that. Right. But I'm predicting rolling that back, simming it forward in response to input. And it has yep. to eval the same steps on the client and the server, otherwise everything goes to hell. Right. Mm-hmm. Deep um, synchronization. It-
1: and, and shallow even, yeah,
0: is, is just me, I'm here, I have, a, I have a position, I have an orientation, here's yeah. my animation state, yeah. and anything else that's potentially visible, but only if the visibility of it is it, is, is relevant to other players. Yeah,
1: to just purely visualization. And, and yeah. even furthermore, right, even within just that limited set of data, like position, orientation, you need that at a far lower precision, mm-hmm. right? Then if you're yeah, simulating- because you're not going to extrapolate. Right, and, no. and because you're not going to get, like have to depenetrate, right? If you're slightly yeah. off, that could put you on the other side of a wall, technically, and you might need to push mm-hmm. out. But if you're just yeah. interpolating where the guy is, like that's mm-hmm. close enough.
0: Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it makes perfect sense because when you're running simulation on it, you could be fighting the simulation with the quantization. So what right. often is done, and I've, I've done this in the past, is you actually have to quantize on both sides to make sure that- the deep penetration doesn't, doesn't kind of mess you around when you force the sync, yes. right? Yes, um, exactly. But if you're just showing visual state and interpolating it, there's no simulation running behind it. And in a game like Call of Duty, Titanfall, Apex Legends, and uh, Counter-Strike, every other object that's not you, it's just an interpolation. Yep. And that's the way it's done.
1: Yeah. Cool. Yeah.
0: Wow, we've covered a lot of stuff today. Yes. Uh, thank you so much, Jay. So when we, we, let's just wrap it up now because we could talk forever, but I, I just want to final final props, snapnet.dev. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it an open source project or is it, it's a commercial uh, project?
1: It, it's not, it's a commercial project. Yeah.
0: It's a commercial project. So yeah. uh, if you're making a game and you're wondering how do I get my hands on the best of breed Quake, netcode snapnet.dev, uh, reach out to Jay. Jay, do you have an email people can contact you on?
1: Uh, Yeah, you could just email me at uh, jay, J-A-Y, at highhorseentertainment.com.
0: Brilliant. Jay, thanks heaps for being on the show. Awesome chat today.
1: Yeah, super fun.
0: All right, man. See you around. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers.
1: Here's the hard truth. The internet doesn't care about your game. After all the blood, sweat, and tears you put into making your game, you launch, and some players get terrible network performance. What can you do about it? build your own internet? This is why we created Network Next. Network Next is a radically new way of linking networks together. It's a new internet. One where networks compete on a neutral marketplace to carry your game's traffic. Network Next puts you, the game developer, in control of the network. We monitor every player's network performance and you choose when to accelerate them. Not only will you see better network performance for your players, you'll also have the security of knowing that if one network is congested, we switch to another in seconds. Now you control the network.